before talking about water, I want to go back to the mountains just a bit. But first, today is the the day we celebrate Buddha's enlightenment, December 8th. Happy Buddha's enlightenment to you all. This is the day we're celebrating. And Dogen Zenji is always celebrating this. So this is all uh, Soto Zen. It's all about um, Buddha's enlightenment all the time. All of us, all the time. And in this sutra, going back to the mountains part, on page four, Mary Carol read this yesterday too. It starts, East mountains walking in the water. The great master Yun Men has said, the East Mountain moves over the water. So basically, this writing that we're reading, you could say, is an elaboration of that one statement, the East Mountain moves over the water. And when did that statement happen? It happened when a monk practitioner went up to the great teacher Yun Men and said, where do all the Buddhas come from? Where does the Buddha's enlightenment come from? So what is the place where all Buddhas attain complete liberation? That's one of the translations of it, one of the ways of phrasing that statement. Where, where do the Buddhas get enlightened? And Master Yun Men responded, East Mountain walks on the water. So this monk, any one of us, is always asking, whether we kind of know it or not, where do I attain enlightenment? Where do I wake up? What is it the Buddha, what, what was Gautama Buddha doing? Where was that Buddha when that Buddha woke up? Where will I woke, wake up? And Yun Men said, East Mountain walks on the water. And to do these, to give these old teachers the respect that they're due, he meant that to be really helpful. It was advice on this question of where will I wake up? East Mountain moves on the water. It's meant to be um, medicine for you. So it's the place where each of us all the time wakes up, the place where East Mountain moves on the water. So it kind of appears opaque, but it does. it is meant to put us right in our life at this moment. It's not meant to say East Mountain over there to the over there to the east, walks on the water. It's east mountain walks on the water. It's east mountain walks on the water. East mountain walks on the water. That's what he was trying to say. He's trying to push that questioner back into the moment. And not even trying. It's just his, the response was in the moment, to the moment. So he didn't like plan. The next time somebody asks me where, where, where Buddhas are enlightened, I think the good answer would be East Mountain Moose on the Water. He didn't plan. There's no planning in this. It's a sincere student says, what is the place of the Buddha's enlightenment? East Mountain Moose on the Water. So we are practicing like mountains here and now, as we have been thinking about over the last couple of days. We've also been practicing like trees. Have all of you visited your tree that we selected. I know some of you have. We picked a tree on the first day to relate to, so you can pick a tree. Have you all visited your tree one time? Have you visited your tree? (laughs) (laughs) East Mountain moves on the water. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, think about that tree. I'm going to give you a little homework assignment later on. So water. So when this fascicle, when this writing by Dogen started, he started with mountains, the flowing of mountains. And that was a challenging thought, wasn't it? Mountains flowing. Not for some of you who are geologists, or maybe for none of you. It's not, it wasn't challenging. Flowing mountains. It just sounded like, mm, okay, teaching. But it, it really was meant to challenge us a bit, to put us back into our, our, our mind and our, our concerns and our, our doubts. It's easy to skip over these things as merely poetry, but they are meant to make us work. They are meant to feed us, feed our minds, and make it do some exercise. And then after that preparation of, of the flowing of the mountains, then we get to the flowing of the waters, and hopefully the mind is just a little bit um, attuned to be ready for something different. So it's been thinking about flowing mountains, and now maybe it isn't going to get lazy and just think, okay, flowing water. It's what does he mean, flowing? What does it mean, water? So again, the challenge of thinking about flowing mountains and some of those early poetic phrases was our desire to understand can become a blockade to just hearing the words, East Mountain moves on the water. And the same thing can happen on the other side with flowing water, our everything we know about water and about flow, everything we've experienced gets in the way of getting to what, accepting what he's talking about, which is different. So views of water from different perspectives is what's going on here. And he knows that when Yun Min said it, East Mountain flows on the water. There's a huge background of teachings about water and perspective of water, perspectives of water in Buddhist teaching. So not only do old Buddhist teachers use the material at hand, it's interesting, you know, can you imagine um, Yun Min talking to some monk in China, and um, he's a great teacher, so probably there are a whole bunch of people in the room, and usually in China, the floor is stone, and usually they would have on little slippers, and it's pretty open, so they would be seeing outdoors. They would be seeing through the pillars. They could see the landscape. And again, they're standing up, hearing this teaching. And maybe Yun Min was looking at the person who asked and looking right through. Maybe he saw East Mountain. Hard to know. I don't think it was like a random thought. It was something in the present. And to this day, people who do koan work have to solve this koan. It's a koan given to you to solve. A monk asked you and men, what is the place of the, all the Buddhas' enlightenment? All the Buddhas. And you and men said, East Mountain moves on the water. You have to solve that koan. All the Buddhas. And now in Mahayana, we're a little bit accustomed to hearing, as Mary Carroll said, I think you said this on Sunday, um, Buddhas of old were as the same as we, we in the future shall be Buddhists and ancestors in that beautiful Dharma talk last Sunday, preparing for the session. So that's Dogen Zenji's, again, poetic gift to us of what Soto Zen is all about. We're all like Buddhas used to be before they woke up. Or maybe this is like they are when they're awake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And when Buddha was talking about it, he knew he wasn't the only Buddha. There were Buddhas before him. Deepankara was the Buddha long ago who predicted Buddha, uh, Shakyamuni's enlightenment. Buddhas before that, Buddhas before that, Buddhas in all the realms. So he, there wasn't, um, there wasn't a lot of ego gratification in waking up to be a Buddha for him. It's just something that we're supposed to do, we have to do. But the perspectives that he talks about are also part of the old teaching. So when you look at water, this is an old Vijnana Vada teaching uh, of the four views of water. Gods the God, in the God realm see water as jewels, humans see it as water, hungry ghosts as blood, forests as in here as fire and, and pus, and fish see it as a dwelling. Then he goes beyond. It isn't just about how humans or gods see water. It is also about how water sees water, how water practices and verifies water. There is the study of water, telling of water. So Dogen Zenji is, not only is this um, showing us his really deep ecology, deeply connected to nature, before there was the term deep ecology, trying to release us from our human egocentric point of view. We see what we see. So it it isn't just about us widening and and enwisening our perspectives and understanding that every different person has a different perspective and that we get to inhabit it. It's also about the perspective of water, the perspective of bamboo, the perspective of trees. There's a beautiful poem uh, by, um, uh, is it Wallace Stevens who wrote about cows looking at us? Yeah, yeah. I think or Wallace. William Carlos Carlos Williams. Uh, maybe it's Williams. I think so. It's about um, looking at a cow and uh, seeing that the cow is looking at you, meaning they really see us. Animals really see us, and what do they see? <laughs> so, do they see us the way we want to be seen? I don't think so. They really see us. And Dogen is trying to take us even out of our habit of seeing animals the way we want to see them. Nights one and two of our session, we heard packs of coyotes, families of coyotes, really loud, screaming, howling, setting up a chatter. And um, Cipriano and I talked about it a little bit. He said, are those wild animals? Those are really wild animals. (laughs) He said, are they... I think you said maybe are they dangerous or yeah. yes they are dangerous <laughs> and you can watch I in myself I watch a kind of romanticizing coyotes oh the coyotes I really like them let's let them run around and I do still feel that I don't feel like I have we have the right to um, take over to coyote territory but they are really dangerous animals <laughs> and that's what nature is nature is out there killing and eating and cannibalizing and rotting and uh, stealing food from each other. And it's really dark. And Dogen also wants us to see it from that perspective. It's really easy in the six realms of humans, gods, uh, fighting titans, hungry ghosts, animals, and hell realms. Um, 
we can imagine what humans see, because here we are, but also the God realm. How do the gods see it? They get very accustomed to luxury, and it's very hard to practice from the God realm because things are going so well. You have all the luxuries, and there's no need to practice because things are going so well. Well, yes, there are problems, but also Dogen asks us to see it from the animal realm and from the hell realm and from the hungry ghost realm. Those are our realms also. And how do they see you or me? And in order to help us get there, he tries to put us in the perspective of a mountain. How does a mountain see what's happening? How does the water see what's happening? What is perspective of water on mountain? What is perspective of water on water? What is the perspective of um, water on us? This is this is trying to liberate us from our egocentric view. It's not that we then have to become some other point of view, but we need to become released. So water, he mentions the many things that water does. It goes up, it comes down, it um, becomes mist. He's he's had a fairly uh, scientific observation of water. He really knew a lot about water which any observant person actually could do, proving again how observant he was. But this issue of perspective is one of, one of the most important points. He says, this is paragraph 20 that we just read, given that what different types of beings see is different, we should ha- have some doubts about this dis- difference. Is it that there are various ways of seeing one object Or is it that we have mistaken various images for one object? At the peak of our concentrated effort on this, we should concentrate still more. This is underlining what Mary Carroll said yesterday. Study, study, study. Concentrate still more. Therefore, our practice and verification, our pursuit of the way, must also be not merely of one or two kinds, and the ultimate realm must also have a thousand types and ten thousand kinds. So this teaching about the way of mountains being in the world and the way of water being in the world is meant to both comfort us but expand us. What is a mountain's way of being in the world? What, do, what kind of acceptance does a mountain have in the world? What kind of flexibility does water have in the world? One time... I was um, at Zen Mountain Monastery, where some of you have been, for a conference on Dogen Zenji. It was a long time ago. It was a conference on Dogen Zenji, and Zen Mountain Monastery is in upstate New York, and Daido Lori, great Zen teacher, was there, and he hosted it, and he opened the conference, and then Buddhist scholars and a bunch of us were in the audience, but the Buddhist scholars were presenting on Dogen some of the chapters like this that he that they'd been working for then I don't know maybe five or six years on translating now it's been 25 years and it's finally been published and it's incredible the amount of detail and work and beauty that's gone into it so there we were Zen Mountain Monastery in this tent outside it was really cold I now recall we're sitting in this tent and scholars are 
making presentations. It's fantastic. And one scholar, Paula Arai, got up and made a presentation. I don't remember what her presentation was. I'm sure it was fantastic. But then she opened it up to questions. And a teacher at Zen Mountain Monastery got up to ask a question. And she said, and she was a very senior, like the second most senior person at Zen Mountain Monastery, and she said, this is all well and good, but what does it do about the discrimination and oppression in the world? One of those sort of, you would think it sort of would take the uh, conference by surprise or something. Paula Arai said, be like water. And the the senior person said, that just won't do. You know, we really have to do something about this. You can't tell me, and she was a woman, you can't tell me to be flexible and 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 go with the flow. I mean, that, that just won't do. What, what's your real answer? Be like water. <laughs> and at the time, I have to confess, I thought um, it was not a sufficient answer. At the time, I really thought that. I thought that she didn't meet the desperation of the woman, the angry woman, very angry, uh, coming, a lot of anger coming from that woman. And I thought she didn't really reach it. But... Um, the woman at the, she made, she held her ground at the microphone for a little while until finally somebody dragged her off, I think. Really, they did. <laughs> Come on, we have to go on. <laughs> and at the time I thought, mm, she missed her chance because of course we have to act. We have to go out and, and make our opinions known and act to save the world and study the world. And of course that's also true. But now I see the incredible wisdom of that answer. I see the real wisdom of it. She said, be like water, because because of what water really is. It isn't just that. So it's that idea of water that blocks our understanding of of this teaching. Just like our lack of understanding of a flowing mountain blocked that. My ideas of water at the time blocked my understanding of what what she was saying, that Dogen was saying. So water isn't just this weak, receptive... He says water can be like milk. It isn't just weak and receptive and, and gentle and takes a lower level, which is what I kind of think she... I thought she was saying at the time. I thought, hmm, okay. But water is strong and... Water not just descends like rain, but water moves in tidal vortices of incredible power. Water freezes up and can carve through rock. Water made Yosemite. Water and tiny little bits of water just continually going down canyons make the Grand Canyon. So the power of water is really key in understanding Water changes everything. So be like water. I thought that was really good. And it takes it out of the realm of time. It takes it into a different realm for us. So mountains, another thing that's different between these two creatures, mountains and waters, mountains, they do flow, but it's not as visible to our human eye as water. 
So mountains just stay there, but water moves. And therefore, water meets everything. Everything comes to the mountain, but water goes to everything. And everything it meets, it meets completely. It has to meet it. And then it may flow around it, may flow over it, it may um, freeze next to it, but it meets it completely. There aren't problems for water. There are just things that it meets and then interacts with. And in, in my life, in our lives, that's what we're being asked to do, meet everything completely, flow around it, learn how to surf, be uh, drowned by it. One time at a some ceremony uh, with Sojin Mel Weitzman, the former abbot of uh, Berkeley Zen Center, who's now in heaven somewhere, or maybe he's gone to one of the other realms, hard to know. Um, I was getting ready to go to Tassajara for the first time, and I was scary, you know. Tassajara is harsh. And I, I said with great sincerity, um, I... I you know, it's really scary. It's super cold in the winter. It's very hot in the summer. I don't really like those things. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I'm afraid I might die. And he said, just drown. <laughs> I said, thank you very much. <laughs> and it comes to me from time to time because... Just drown in this experience of our world. Just drown in this complication that's happening at that moment. There is fighting and there is struggling, but this teaching is about something else. In the perspective of fish, water is a dwelling, but water itself has no abode. It is not separate from all things. It is not a subject. Mountains are not subjects. Mountains are part of the vast crust of the earth, they are not separate. So we are being invited, in Sashin also, but in these writings, to imagine what it's like not to be the subject of the experience, not to be the one who is in the center of the universe, just for a time being. Be the mountain, be the water. And Dogen in this fascicle says, the Buddha has said, all things are ultimately liberated. They have no abode. All things are ultimately liberated. They have no abode. You have a feeling for that? They have no abode. Another way you could say, I think, he doesn't say this, but it resonates with me. All things are ultimate, ultimately liberated. They flow. They have no abode. So today, speaking of things that have an abode, your assignment for um, sometime later today is to visit your tree. Okay. Do you have a tree? Okay. Can you all do that? Will you visit your tree? Okay. Will you visit your tree? Peaceful forest? <laughs> we'll visit you. <laughs> Dharma Moon. When I visited my tree yesterday, I was attacked by fire ants. <laughs> you can. You don't have to go right next to it. 
Or was it on the way to the tree? He's up in the, not far from the tent. Oh, <laughs> nice. yeah. Royce has a way to, Royce is friends with fire ants. He'll take care of them for you. Yeah. But yes, you, <laughs> you, can, you can also pick a different, you can pick several trees, have several trees, have a, have a grove, and include peaceful forest in your grove. <laughs> so we have tonight and then all day tomorrow. So, and then we have another day to do this incredible sishin. And all of you are already acting much different. You may not notice it but your friends are noticing it. And so the opening and the relaxation that happens in Sashin, it's like um, we're fish. We're dwelling in our... Wa- in our. It doesn't look like we're in a separate place. This is our, our home, this kind of samadhi state that we're in. We don't really realize it, but it's really happening. So enjoy it and uh, just enjoy this time and let, it, let yourself melt into it a little bit more. And it's okay to fight, but... Uh, you're not going to win.